Amen. Thank you for filling this sanctuary with the praises of God. Appreciate that, niece. Especially for uh, not getting much sleep last night. Good job. Well, Happy New Year. I have to do my I have to do my joke. I haven't seen you since last year, and you haven't changed a bit. So, haha, <clears throat> uh-huh, right? That's right. I haven't changed a bit. Well, um, it's crazy because here it is. Yesterday, I think was near record high, if not record high, about seventy-four degrees. And I understand they're calling for significant snow tomorrow, like. One to three or three to five, I guess it depends, but that is really crazy weather. Um, that's where we live, and this is the, the time we live in, but I was grateful for the warm weather, saved a little bit of firewood, and now i got to make sure I'm stocked up in it with the cold weather coming. And it is good to see our young adults back from their long trip, short, two days of traveling, two days of teaching, and fellowshipping together, living together um, in an Airbnb. Um, It was a little bit tense for me because I was getting informed in texts from my my, my wife. Please pray such and such in the field. They might have COVID. Please pray that there's a funny smell in the car and we're getting ready to go in the mountains and all this kind of stuff. And I says, whew, man, I'm so glad you guys are home. Oof. I was trying to figure out last night, okay, if they break down here in West Virginia, take me this many hours to go get them and then come back. And so I get this many minutes of sleep before church tomorrow. And so I was just trying to prepare. But the Lord brought them home. Everybody's safe and sound. And um, looking forward to maybe a little bit of sharing what you guys learned or a little bit about your trip. If not this morning at some other time, we'd like to hear that. They went to CrossCon. It's a conference for young adults. I'm going to um, begin this first time I've ever done this in my 18 years of pastoring. I'm going to begin a new series. And it's a covenant class series. And I'll explain it in just a minute. But you know, with another another new year, I've noticed that um, as much as I hate to admit it, age can get the best of us. And it just seems like uh, I've been trying to avoid wearing glasses, but the words are like ants up here. They're like all. And so I have to figure I would break down and do it and, and just go ahead and put these on um, to help you get used to them. But uh, also, you know, it seems there's just always seems like there's just not enough light in the right place up here. So before I get started, I just wanted to. Um, so now, now that we have that settled and I can see. Now, that was just a joke. It's not a joke that I do, I do need glasses, and I put it off because uh, I would have to wear them on my nose because I only need them for reading, which means they'd be here the whole time, and I'd be doing this, and I'm not ready for that yet. But it, the day is coming, so that's a little forewarning there with humor. But I want to introduce our class. Um, <clears throat> this is going to be different. You know, you're, talk, you're thinking about covenant class. How are you going to do a series on a covenant class when it's a booklet? This will not be in booklet form at all. And so if you're just visiting here, you won't be bored with only strictly church stuff because we're going to look at Scripture this morning. But it is a series on a covenant class. You know, what is a covenant class at New Covenant Fellowship? We've had covenant classes 
uh, since before I was a pastor here, and Pastor Kirk would take you through a covenant class. So we want to look at what is a covenant class, what does it mean here at New Covenant Fellowship, you know, why do you have to go through it in order to become a member of New Covenant, uh, why do you have to believe uh, and, and be in agreement with our doctrinal statement in order to become a member. All of these things are addressed. Why do we do church like we do? What are, what are our, our goals? What are we aiming at? Uh, why do we conduct our services? Why do we have certain people in leadership and not in leadership? All of these things are addressed in um, our covenant classes. And so I thought it would be a good, a good, wise choice to just go through this as a church family. Some of you have already been through the covenant class material and you've joined a church. Uh, some of you have not been through the covenant class material and uh, some of you have gotten the package deal, meaning that you were raised in the church and you're a member of the church because your parents went through it, but now you're adults and maybe you've never even seen the material. So this will be good for you and some of you may, may, may not be so sure about church membership thing, you know, what does that mean and what does it bind me to and I'm still trying to think through all this. So there's just a lot of different scenarios and cases and I thought it would be a good idea to take us all through this as a church family. I also think it's a good idea because with all that the church has been through, not just New Covenant, but with COVID and, and, and what our nation is going through and what uh, on the world stage Honestly, the church in general is just kind of getting fragmented. I mean, we're, we're getting hit here and hit here and hit here. And the members, the people in the church uh, universal are just, there's some fragmentation taking place, I think. There's some confusion taking place. And so there's a sense in which also this series will be utilized to bring us back to our roots, just to reground us. And what does it even mean to be a Christian? Why do we do church? Is it optional? Again, what are we supposed to be doing when we come to church? And what does it mean to be a member of New Covenant when you're not at church? How does all this come into play? So we're going to examine all of that together. This kind of shows my age, but <clears throat> when they first came out with computers that weren't as big as this church building, and you could actually own one, uh, they were still perfecting the technology. And one of the things that you had to do periodically was defragment your computer. Do you, if, if you're shaking your head, you're old, okay? Because that was a long time ago. But you would be using it, and they're great. Man, these things are so fast. Then you would notice they're starting to slow down a little bit, little glitches here. And so I'd be like, what? Oh, you got to defragment it. And what happens is there's so much data that it doesn't always get placed in the right position or the right place um, to keep everything organized and efficient. And so they would show you, you could open a page and they would show you like there were different colored bars that represented the different categories of data. And um, if there was like a little red strip here and one little one over here and then a block here... When you defragmented it, all of the data was put in its proper place and it would make the computer more efficient. I kind of see uh, this class as maybe a little defragmenting things. We're, we're just hit as believers today. We're hit with so much different information that comes across our desk and our 
and conversations. There's so much going on. I think it would be good to kind of get back to the basis in a sense and, and defragment so that we can put things in their proper place and, and understand our identity as the people of God and understand why you know, church is an important thing. It's a big deal. What, what we do right here, I know it's easy to go through the motions when you do it every Sunday. We have our routine. I, I understand that. It's hard to keep something that's ancient fresh, right? But this is no less important. Every time we meet as the people of God, as the saints of God, this is huge. Every little meeting, every time two people come together and pray about anything in the name of Christ, that, that's a huge deal. Everything matters in the kingdom of God. And I want us to understand the importance of that, but also be encouraged by the fact that everything we do here in the name of Christ for the glory of God is a big deal and it matters. So I want to rally us around that idea. And, you know, we we do church life a certain way. Today we're going to have a, a fellowship meal. You know, one, one day a month we do the Lord's Supper. Why? Well, there's nowhere in Scripture that tells us how often to do it, what day of the week and so forth. But the Lord says we, we are to do this if we are believers. And so... This is what we do, and then this is how we do it. We're going to have a fellowship meal. Why do we do that? I mean, we could end church, dismiss, and go home and get back to our lives. But once a month, we have a fellowship meal. There's something behind that. That it is, it's, uh, it's an endeavor to create Christian fellowship for us to be connected over something good to eat, hopefully. You know? So... You know, food, even food plays an important part in God's kingdom, if you can believe it. So this will help us, I think, find our place. Um, it'll be good for all of us. It's been good for me just thinking through, what is church? Wow, answer that question. What is church? Whew. Well, I'm going to kind of take a chip at it this morning and the next couple Sundays. So this will help, I think, put us all on the same page. And at least, you know, you may not agree with everything, but at least you'll know where we stand by the end of this series. And there's another reason for it. Um, and we discussed this in, in our leadership meetings. And that is to help us uh, shepherd you well. To help us understand where are you in life? Where are you in our church life? Because when you look at Scripture, you find that there are mutual responsibilities between church leaders and church members. There's, there's, there are levels of accountability. There are certain ways where to view one another. And it's not just a, a free-for-all. I mean, if we're going to take church seriously, and that is look at what God says about it and how we are to fulfill our roles, I think keeping you informed with what we're going to study in this series will enable us to shepherd you better. And hopefully there will be some reciprocal activity there as well. It enables us to avoid the uh, American independent spirit. We are, as Americans, we're very independent, which can be a great, wonderful thing, and it's got us very far. But in the kingdom of God... When you look at citizens of heaven, we are interdependent. Like we, we need each other. There's, 
And so I, I think that this will help us understand our place as connected to everything that God's doing and not the Lone Ranger mentality. Of course, this is an introduction that's in the bulletin, so that's why I'm introducing all this to you. If you're wondering, well, when are you going to get down to the meat and the bones? Not yet. So why, you know, how long will this take? Um, I'm going to take 2022, so approximately 12 Sundays, depending on there might be a holiday that that will interrupt this series. But that'll give me time to really think through it, you know, focus on areas that I think need to be focused on. So far as I know, we will certainly be done this year. Um, also, it'll, it'll help me flesh out things in the book, the booklet. Uh, let me explain that a little bit. You don't have a booklet. We didn't provide a booklet for you to follow through and keep track because this series doesn't really um, follow exactly the same format as the booklet. That's why Michelle said, should I print a bunch of booklets? Don't do it. Because um, the booklet is is the, the, the outline that I'm using. So I am going to follow the outline and I'll explain that in a second. But I'm fleshing things out. So you're going to hear a lot of things from the pulpit that are not directly in the booklet. It's just a, a launching pad, if you will, or a home base, a basic outline. So in the booklet, there are three main topics. And you have uh, our doctrine. That's what we believe. This is, this is what we believe when we gather. This is how we live according to what Scripture says. And then the second topic is church policy, polity, and that's how we're governed. Hey, what's the leadership? Who's in charge around in this church when I come to it? Who do I talk to when I have a beef? Or who do I speak to when I really want to encourage the leadership? So how do we operate? That's in the booklet. We'll talk about that eventually. And then also just church life. That's the third category. What's it look like to be a member of New Covenant Fellowship? How do you do church community how do you do church life and so uh, that's what we will talk about when we get to that place Uh, each topic will be in sermon form so i'm going to look at scripture it's not going to be a classroom format this is about as close to a class a classroom format as we will get with this introduction and the notes that are sent out Sermon notes that are sent out will be better references than the actual booklet. Uh, the booklet will very likely be edited as we go through this, so that at the end of the year we might have a new booklet. It might be uh, more detailed and so forth. So I hope that answers a lot of the questions that you might um, have. So with that said, as I think about covenant class, the first thing that, that I want to address is uh, if we're going to do a New Covenant Fellowship Covenant class, what is New Covenant Fellowship all about? That's my question. What are we all about? What makes us what we are? What makes us who we are? If you really want to understand what it means to be a part of us, then that's what I want to address this morning. So what's our history? How did we get here? And as I thought about New Covenant's uh, history, we have very humble beginnings. We have humble beginnings uh, in uh, as a house church or even fellowshipping together before we were an official church. We were just friends in Christ. And then 
our beginnings in the coffee house and crew. We used to meet in this in the coffee house there on the corner downtown metropolis of crew. And um, so I thought about our roots there and how that came to place. And it's kind of crazy that I was a part of a lot of the beginnings there because I was such a new believer. So I have some personal uh, memories about it. But what is our roots? Another thing that shows my age is that when I was about 13, this great TV series series came on. It was like before series were that really big of a thing on, on TV, and now they're everywhere. And it was called Roots. You know, it was very, very popular, and it was a series uh, debuted by, based on Alex Haley's book, Roots. And he did a tremendous amount of research. He, he, he got really interested in who he was. Who are my people? How did I get here? He's living in America. He's free now. How did I get here? And he did a tremendous amount of research. And he was able to, to um, trace his, his uh, existence from generation to generation down through the ages of America all the way back to his origins in Africa to what tribe he came from. And he followed that saga from uh, his tribe in Africa to when they were taken captives as slaves and brought to the United States, sold as slaves and so forth. So here's this free man. And he looked at his roots and it fascinated everybody. And it caused, it was like a a fad or a phenomenon where everybody's suddenly interested in, yeah, where are my roots? Because it really helped you feel connected as a person to your family and your people. Where are my roots? So it made an impact on on the Western world. The more informed you are, the more connected you feel many times. So as I thought about, well, who are we? That's what came to my mind. And so I'm not going to start at the coffee house. I'm not going to start at the, at the home church. Because if you, if you really want to know what we are about here this morning, you have to go back farther than that. If you really want to know what the church is about, we have to go back generations and generations ago. And we're not, we're not going to look at our biological ancestors because actually they're still sitting here. You can't go back very far if you're going to look at the history of New Covenant Fellowship. It's 30, is it 34 years? I should have probably looked it up. Okay, 34, nobody knows. So 34, 38, it's in the 30s or something. The, the Bridgmans would know. But we're going to look at our spiritual heritage you know, our biological heritage is, is only so rich. But when you dig under that and you look at our spiritual heritage, then you really start to get a sense of why we do what we do. Why we bother. Why we make the sacrifices. Why, why do we take up an offering every Sunday? What, what, are, what makes us tick? As a matter of fact, it's not just us, but it's every church that ever existed has spiritual roots that can be followed back into generations of spiritual saints. So I want to consider us, before I consider us as, say, just New Covenant Fellowship saints, I want to explain our place and existence as the people of God. Because that's what we are. 
If you are a true believer, you are the people of God and your heritage goes way back in history. Way back in history. So we're the people of God in 2022. We are God's representatives. We are the people that He has called into His service to worship Him and to be a witness to each other, to be a witness to our community, to be a witness to the world that God is the one and only true God. This is us. We, we're the team. We're team 2022, if you will. So I'm going to go way back. And if you go way back to the beginnings of the church, you have to go back to Acts, right? Because a lot of the scholars say that's when the church officially began. When the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the early believers, the disciples. And Peter preached a powerful sermon and then people came into the assembly. and They were professing Christ. And so that's, uh, many people believe that's the official starting place of the church. And I have no problem with that. I think that's a great place to start with the New Testament church. But our history is even richer than that. So if you really want to understand who we are, then you have to go back even before Acts, several thousand years ago, I would say to the beginning of time. Because that's when our story, believe it or not, starts. That's where your identity begins to formulate, back at the beginning of time. Of time, And here's why I say that. And this is my text. And it's in the royal treasury. I don't know if you tweaked the royal treasury. Or that scripture happened to come up today. Because that's my text. I thought maybe she tweaked it. But she didn't. It randomly or providentially came up. Of course Noah's already been talking about it. So here's why I'm going back this far. In 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may, may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, we, we're the people of God, so, and Peter does it, and there's a few other places. Paul does it in Romans 1, and later on in Romans, where he talks about we are the people that are called, and he, and, and he follows a little bit of the lineage of Christ back to King David and so forth, and he's saying, you're the called ones now. And Peter uses Old Testament terminology to identify New Testament people, Jew and Gentile. And this is the people of God, Jew and Gentile. Whoever places their faith in Christ is now the people of God. They were once not my people. Even there was a time when even the Jews were, broke covenant. And he said, he's, I mean, this is Jewish language here, Old Testament language. You are not my people, but now you are by the mercies of God, Jew and Gentile. So it's applied to all the believers. So... Peter sees New Testament believers as having their roots back in the people of God from days of old. They were called out of darkness in that day, just like we are called out of darkness in our day. We're all recipients 
of the grace and the mercy of God. So, I, I want us to see ourselves not just as members of New Covenant Fellowship, but as the people of God. We are the people of God. And there's the people of God everywhere in this globe in 2022, but also down through the ages. We are the people of God. Just as God called people to serve Him, He has called us to be His witnesses and to serve Him. In every age, His people have served Him. We serve Him in different ways. He calls us according to the times and according to His revelation. He calls us to to serve Him specifically in different ways. But we are the called as God's people. So, technically, our beginnings start in the book of Genesis. Why the book of Genesis? Because that's when the promise that we would exist as we exist today took place. All the way back to Genesis. And as you know the story, God created everything that we see. He created the first individuals in His image, Adam and Eve. And He gave them one law. And He gave them all of this. You can eat of anything out here except this one thing. And they failed. And they disobeyed God. They were, they were loyal to God at one time. And now they are God forsakers. And he also gave a punishment. His revelation was, if you disobey me in this, you shall surely die. And what did they do? They disobeyed. And they died. And I remember reading that as a new believer thinking, well, that's going to be a short story. Here, this is all yours. But if you disobey, you're gone. So what's the rest of the Bible going to be about? That's all we know. That's all God revealed, at least when you read it from our perspective. At that time, that's all we know is that one command. So then I'm like, well, now what's he going to do? They disobeyed. What, what does their death look like? And then God, what does he do? He intervenes and he make as they're punished with a curse. And in the midst of the curse, he gives a promise and it's a promise that you will suffer for your sins. But it's, you're, you're not stuck alienated forever. Because I'm going to do something. Now you don't see that coming when you start in the first chapter of Genesis. God just does it. He, he didn't reveal that to Adam and Eve. Look, if you sin you're going to die. But I'm going to give you this promise. So revelation comes in time. It comes in secession. So they were, they were God's people. Now they're God forsakers. But he makes this promise. I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And there begins the story of the Bible. That one promise in seed form. The revelation he keeps giving more and more information. About what it's going to look like for broken sinful man. To be restored for God. With God. How is that going to take place? This is our story. Anybody who believes in Christ today goes back to this. They, they fell in temptation. We just celebrated Christmas. Christmas is what? It's just a fulfillment of Genesis. It's, it's more detailed. It's more beautiful. It's more informed. But it's a 
fulfillment of the promise in Genesis. This morning we talked about in Galatians how um, I've been crucified in Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So 2.20. And Corky was talking about federal headship. I've been crucified with Christ. What Christ did, one, one person died on the cross and we reap the benefits of that. That's federal headship. That means the one represents the rest. Same thing happened with David and Goliath, and it happened in it happens in ancient warfare. I don't know that it would happen today, but it happened in ancient warfare where they say, "Look, there's no need for all these people. If we go to war, hundreds, maybe thousands of people will die. You get your best man. I'll get my best man. We'll fight it out right here, and whoever wins that, then you become servants." And David and Goliath did it. It's federal headship. See, Christ. It's our federal head. And what he accomplished, he accomplished for all of us that are in Christ. And we reap those benefits. It's, it's the promise of God just unfolding in a beautiful way. We are the unfolding promise of God. That's why we do what we do. It's because God in us. God's, God's will for this world and for his kingdom. So, these original people became God-forsakers. And God's promise is that, no, I'm going, to, I'm going to restore you and restore our fellowship and heal all of the brokenness that was incurred because of your sin. And so, He wanted to make the unchanging nature of His promise. Scripture's always talking about a promise. Really clear. And who's going to inherit it? Let me read something out of Hebrews chapter 6, 15. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of His purpose, He guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Our hope is, our hope is God. Our hope is Christ. And that's what we are to hold fast to. See, we are the heirs of the promise. So when we read this, that's, we're reading about ourselves in seed form. That, that, there's power in that. There's, there's certainty in that. So the, the story of the church really begins back here. And then it's followed all through the Old Testament in how God dealt with what were, was considered the people of God, which are those who had true, sincere, saving faith in Him. And they were the people on the world stage at that time, God's representatives. We are the people on the world stage at this time, God's representatives. And just as they were to obey Him according to the revelation and the light that He had given them, we are to obey Him and walk out, flesh it out, according to the revelation that He has given us. There's our doctrine that we'll get to. What does God reveal? What does He say? How are we to live? What are we to think? What are we to believe? So all of this has unfolded. It's unraveled. So you have Genesis and then just quickly you have Abraham. The promise was 
solidified with Abraham and expanded through you. Uh, not only is your nation going to be blessed, but through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Who's that? That's us. It's unfolding. <clears throat> Before that, you had Moses. I mean, then you had Moses after Abraham, where he promises, I'm going to make you into a great nation. You will be my witnesses. You will be a light to all nations. Then you have the promise of a king. So God's plan is just further unfolding, becoming more and more detailed, more and more specific. And the prophets even carry it to more specificity until you get to promises like this in Jeremiah. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. You see what God is doing here. He has a plan and he's going to make a new covenant because though Israel was in covenant with him, they broke the covenant. So in other words, any kind of deal you make with sinful man has a bad ending. So God's going to do it. That's the promise. I'm going to do what you can't. You can't restore yourself. My plan is that I will do this. At the appointed time, the king comes he is Jesus Christ, as we learn at Christmas, he's fully God, he's fully man, he is everything that needs to play, take place to satisfy God's justice and holiness, and also to extend grace so that God forsakers can be brought back to the table of fellowship. So all through the ages you had the, the assembled people of God. It could have been just a family, Abraham or Noah. And then it became a nation. And it was the assembled people of God who hung on His every word and who lived according to His word, to His glory. Salvation by grace alone and faith alone in Christ alone as we were reminded this morning. Through Christ, we've been offered mercy to enter in to this family. We call ourselves a church family. It's, it's, a, it's a good description so when you talk about the people that God gathers to himself, all through the ages he's been gathering, calling people to himself who he desires to serve him. Uh, we belong to him. We are his treasure. He calls us different things in Scripture. Uh, the people of God are called his treasure. We're called his son. You are my son. We're called his spouse. We're called his, his vine. We're called his flock, his branches, his his bride, his body, uh, his dwelling, his temple, his house. We are all of these things in Christ. So if you want to understand us today, we have to see ourselves as the present people of God. Fitting into the big picture of the unfolding promise of God to make a people for himself under the new covenant. And we were reminded in our first song this morning about God's big plan. And when we think about church, I'm trying to expand it so we don't, because we're going to get, we're going to, we're going to get into specifics about new covenant. So our world will get smaller because it's just new covenant. But before we do that, we have to look, look big. We have to see ourselves in the big picture. And I love this verse. Uh, just the ladies got to sing it. Let us praise and join the chorus of the saints enthroned on high 
Here they trusted him before us. Now their praises fill the sky. So you understand, when we get together like this, when we offer our praise to the God, we're not the only ones praising God. Like every saint, every soul that God saved based on this promise is uttering praises to God. And we are joining in on that and we can't see it. And Hebrews reminds us of this as well, that there is a a, a, a praise service 24-7. They can see us, the cloud of witnesses. They, they cheer us on, the saints that went before us. We can't see them, but when, when we're, what we're doing right here is joined by generations of saints, redeemed people. We haven't gotten there yet, but that's where we will be. We will join them. So that it's, it's a worldwide, universal kingdom thing that's going on, and we're just a small part of it. We fit into that. We have to see ourselves in the big picture. So we think big because God thinks big. So His, his choice... And all of this is, is based on something outside of ourselves. It's based on what, who God is and what God is going to do. And we have the great privilege of being called out of darkness into the light. Not everybody has what we have. We're, we're distinct. We're unique, as Peter says, chosen to serve God in specific ways. So I don't want us to to look at just ourselves or teach us to um, only think of ourselves as this one little neat unit. We are a part of something absolutely huge. And every church that exists has the same head, and that head is Jesus Christ. So if you want to know what we're all about and why we do what we do, you, you can't start at the coffee house and you really can't even start at Acts in the upper room have to go all the way back to this promise because we are literally heirs of what God promised when He promised that Christ would come and save the lost and lead us into eternity. So here's, if we're the people of God, and here's how I close, if we're the people of God and we're called and each um, generation or historical age of people of God, God gave them specific requests. You know, the Old Testament people of God, well, for Abraham, it was to, the, the test of faith was to leave his people and, and be a sojourner. And then you had the people of Israel, you're to, you're to become a nation and a light. And here's how I want you to organize yourselves and construct yourselves and live your days and you might be a farmer or you might be a priest working in the temple or you might be a soldier because they had their enemies but that's how you served God so how does God want us to serve him in this day and age that's what we need to be sitting on the edge of our seats to think well what does he say if if I'm the people of God for 2022 what am I supposed to be doing the vision that's our roots no matter How we feel or don't feel, no matter what we know or don't know, as the people of God, when we assemble, the resurrected Christ and the saints that went before us assembles with us. What does that mean to you? New Covenant Fellowship. So you are the people of God, and as the church, we are the people of God together. And now we get to join 
in a time of praise and then obey the Lord by breaking bread together. May God bless the preaching of his word.